Today on episode 103 of the Computer Tutor Podcast, we have the final four bad computer habits, and the featured podcast this week is Coinsider This, a podcast about the world of Bitcoin. Welcome to another episode of The Computer Tutor, tips, tricks, and advice from a computer pro without all the tech talk. And now, here is your computer tutor, Scott Johnson. All right, welcome back once again. This is The Computer Tutor Podcast, and I am your personal computer tutor, Scott Johnson. I do computer repair And what I do a lot of is virus removal. So if your computer's getting all those pop-ups and extra toolbars and junk software that you don't know how it got there, I can take care of that for you. And I do all of it remotely. So if you need help, just give me a call, 727-254-9078, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And today's computer tip can be seen at my website at computertutorflorida.com forward slash 103. So let's get started. You might recall on last week's podcast, I talked about four bad computer habits. And if you happen to be guilty of any of those, I've hopefully by now you've stopped doing whatever it was or at least considered that it would be a good idea to change that habit and do things a little differently. And this week we have part two, the final four bad computer habits that I see pretty regularly. I'm really piling on the guilt, it looks like, but not really, though. As I mentioned, some of these things I've been guilty of myself in the past. And I talk to a lot of people that say, wow, I've always done that. And I didn't even know it was a bad thing I was doing. I just want to make you aware of these things. And the overall goal really is to help you use your computer more efficiently and more effectively. So here we go with the final four. Bad computer habit number five is clicking on unknown links. It's kind of funny because every once in a while, I'll get to the point where I think, okay, finally, everyone knows that it's bad to click on a link if you don't know for sure what it is. Then as soon as I start to think that, I get a phone call from someone in panic mode because they clicked on something and now they realize they shouldn't have clicked on it. This actually happened just this past week. I got a phone call from one of my clients. She had an email show up, supposedly from her credit card company, and it said that her account had been suspended due to some suspicious activity, and she needed to log in and provide some information in order for the account to be reinstated. Of course, and I don't have to tell you this, but that email did not come from her credit card company. Oh, it looked very convincing, had the logo and the email address and everything. Apparently, it looked legitimate enough that she clicked on the link in the email that supposedly was going to take her right to the credit card company's website where she could log into her account. Anyway, she clicked on the link and entered her username and password, and that appeared to log her in. But, of course, since she wasn't actually on the real website, What she had just done is send her username and account password to the scammers that sent the fake email. At that point, if she did nothing else, the bad guys would now have full access to her account. Fortunately, she became suspicious on the next screen because it started asking for her social security number, date of birth, and 
Other stuff, the credit card company had no reason to ask her for, so she closed the web browser. But after that, she did the smart thing and called the credit card company, and they confirmed that the email was fake and it was just a scam. They see it all the time. Then she was lucky enough that she was able to get into her account and change the password. And I say lucky because it was just luck that the scammers had not already logged into her account and changed the password first, which would have prevented her from signing in completely. So this was a crisis averted. But imagine if her sixth sense had not kicked in while she was starting to fill out that second page of information on that website. She would have all kinds of problems, and that would take a long time to get all that sorted out. Well, the whole point of this is to say, if you don't know where a link is going to take you, don't click on it. If you get an email that says, hey, check this out, with a link to click on, don't click it. I don't care if it's an email from your mother saying, hey, look at these pictures of you I just found. Don't click on it, because it most likely didn't come from actually from your mother, just as that email to my client didn't really come from her credit card company. All right, on to bad habit number six, automatically clicking next when installing software. Now, I'll admit this is a pretty easy one to fall into. Whenever you install software on your computer, you know it always has all those screens with the long legal agreement with the terms of use that you have to agree to. And of course, no one reads those things. They just click agree. Well, it might be a good idea to at least take a quick look at what you're agreeing to. If it's just a long page of text with the legal language that's usually required, that's one thing. But in many cases, when you click on agree, or you just click that series of next buttons, boom, 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 you're actually agreeing to things you wouldn't want to agree to. A lot of times you're telling that software, yes, I do agree that you should install the Ask toolbar, and you should change my home page to Search Conduit, and you have my full permission to change my default search engine to Trovi. You just invited all of those changes. Funny thing is, so many people bring me their computer with all that junk on it, and they say, I don't know how it got on there, because I certainly didn't put it on there. So the bottom line is, if you're going to install software, don't just blunder through it without knowing exactly what it's doing. And if it gives you the option to do, to do a standard or normal installation as compared to a custom installation, always choose custom. It might take a few seconds longer, but it's a lot safer because then the options are all presented to you during the installation rather than just all of that junk being installed automatically. And now we have bad computer habit number seven going days or even weeks without rebooting your Windows computer. And notice I said Windows computer. If you're running a Linux operating system, you can probably go for months without a reboot. Uh, for the Mac, I don't know. But if you use Windows like most people do, you should restart the computer every couple of days at least. This just clears out the memory and gives it a fresh start. And it can also solve some computer problems. You know, if you're having a problem and you call me up or you call some other tech, one of the first things that we're going to suggest is that you just restart the computer. It's kind of like a magic pill. The analogy I like to use with this is how long would you want to go without taking a shower? For me, it's every day because I usually get up early to run. But I would say just about anyone would, would want to shower at least every couple of days. Well, what if you went a week with no shower or two weeks? 
Of course, it's not going to literally kill you. You'd still be able to function, but wow, you would feel crappy. You wouldn't be at your best. You'd probably feel sluggish. You might not even be thinking all that clearly. You know what I mean. Well, that's how your computer feels when it hasn't been restarted in several days or even weeks. And then, after all that time, think about how great a nice hot shower will make you feel. You can wash off all the grime and get your hair squeaky clean and have that fresh smell again. The whole world's better at that point. So don't deny your computer that great feeling, because you'll benefit from it when you use it. And finally, we have bad computer habit number eight. You probably could have predicted this one was coming. It's not having any backup. Obviously, I couldn't leave this one out because it's so important, and yet so many people don't have any backup of their important stuff. Things like all your documents, your pictures, your emails, your music collection, all of it could be gone in a second because hard drives die all the time. And don't think that just because your computer is new that you might somehow be less susceptible to this. The current statistics are that 80% of new hard drives will fail sometime in the first three years. My nephew bought one of those really nice HP laptops, the HP Envy, you know, the nice thin ones, fairly expensive. Well, guess what? The hard drive crashed within the first two weeks. Of course, it was under warranty, so it got replaced, but it's just a good example of the fact that it can happen anytime to any computer. It happened to me several weeks ago. I restarted my Windows 7 computer, my primary computer, uh, did that on a Friday morning, and it didn't come back on, and that was it. It was dead. But not long after that, I was back up and running without any data loss because I had a backup. Actually, a couple of backups. I recommend an automated online backup, which I can set up for you remotely in about 10 minutes. And I also use a local backup to an external drive using a piece of software called Second Copy. I can set that up for you remotely as well, but it just it takes longer than 10 minutes. It depends on how much data you need to have backed up. So let's summarize all eight bad habits from last Monday and today. Number one is weak passwords and using the same password for multiple accounts. Number two is searching Google for a website when you already know the website's actual address. Number three is ignoring error messages and number four was storing your files and folders on the desktop. And this week we covered number five, clicking on unknown links. Number six, clicking next automatically when installing software. Number seven is going too long without rebooting your computer. And number eight is not having all of your important files backed up. And these definitely aren't all the bad habits I see. There are others like having coffee sitting right next to your laptop or leaving your computers plugged in uh, into the wall during a thunderstorm. But I didn't really want to turn this into a 10-part series, so I just covered a few. Hopefully, this has been of some help. And for this week's featured podcast, I want to tell you about a podcast called Coinsider This. It's a podcast about everything related to Bitcoin. You've probably heard of Bitcoin, but you might not be all that familiar with exactly what it is. It's basically just currency that is completely digital. You can use it to buy actual goods and services, and actually more and more mainstream businesses are starting to accept it to purchase their products. You can now go to Dell.com and buy a computer with Bitcoin. You can also use Bitcoin at Overstock, Amazon, Target, CVS, Subway, uh, and the list keeps growing every day. 
You can learn more about Bitcoin by just Googling it and reading the Wikipedia page about it. But another way is to listen to a podcast about it. There are a few, and the one I listen to most often is Coinsider This, sort of a play on words. The podcast is hosted by a guy named Patrick, and I guess the best way to describe him would be that he is a Bitcoin enthusiast. He's not a professional, he's not a finance person or economist or anything like that, or at least I don't think he is. He's just a regular guy who follows the news and developments all related to Bitcoin, and he talks about all that stuff on his podcast. He also has some interviews with people sometimes that are interesting. Uh, here's a clip from a recent episode so you can kind of get a feel of what it's like. I need Welcome to Coinsider This. My name is Patrick, and this is the show for Tuesday, July 29th. Uh, thank you for listening, and thanks for checking in. Bitcoin price today, as of the time of this recording, $587. We are down. We're down uh, from the recent high of, I think, around 650 and our recent uh, hovering uh, everywhere from uh, 6.15 to 6.30. We went uh, down over the past couple of days to around 580 to 590, and we've been sitting there for a couple of days. By far, the uh, most common email I get is about price. Patrick, what's going on with the Bitcoin price? Why is it going up? Why is it going down? I'm not an expert on any of this, and I just want to make that uh, unbelievably uh, clear uh, at the at the front of this uh, whole topic before we get into it today, uh, because I thought we'd talk a little bit about price today. It depends on what you want to believe, and it depends on, uh, I guess, how you view things. As we're going to talk about on the show today, there are so many positive signs going on in the Bitcoin marketplace. I, I don't understand why the price isn't soaring, isn't continuing to go up. I don't understand it. See, you can kind of tell right there that he's not some expert in the financial markets. He's more like someone you can identify with. It's kind of like what I try to do with computers and not talking with the big technical mumbo jumbo, but just sticking with stuff that's practical and useful and that anyone can understand. That's what Patrick does with Bitcoin. And since I don't really have time to read all the blogs or all the news reports about what's happening with Bitcoin, I like to listen to Patrick sort of summarize what's going on so I can keep up with it that way. You can check out the website for the show at coinsiderthis.com. That's C-O-I-N-S-I-D-E-R-T-H-I-S.com. And one thing I really like is that Patrick publishes really detailed show notes. So anything he talks about on the podcast, he'll have that same information along with links right there in the show notes on the site. And each podcast episode is also done on video. So if you want to watch him doing the podcast, you can do that. It's really well done from a production standpoint. So if you have any interest in alternative currencies, it's definitely worth checking out. And if you think Bitcoin is going to take off like a lot of people say it will, this would be a good time to be buying some. That's what I'm doing. Not a lot, just a little bit, but on a regular basis. And if you listen to a podcast or two that's not all that well known, 
I would love to know about it. Maybe feature it here on this segment. And I always love to hear your comments or questions. Just call my podcast voicemail line, 727-386-9468, or email me at pctutor at gmail.com. And that will do it for this week. As always, I'll see you back here next Monday morning with another computer tip. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Computer Tutor Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to contact me with a question, a comment, or a suggestion for a future topic, you're welcome to do so at my website, computertutorflorida.com. And while you're there, sign up for my free Monday morning email newsletter. If you have a computer problem, give me a call at 727-254-9078. In many cases, I can take care of a problem remotely, so it doesn't matter if you're here in Florida, up in Maine, or way out in California. I'd love to help. Thanks again for listening, and have a great week. God bless.